Super Bowl. It's Monday night recording. The last word, or as Fez would say, the final bell. He likes that. I kind of do too for next year. But Fez, don't be worried. Don't be worried. But I, and I'm not even sure, but I think he's under professional observation. He had a losing, oh, he was not happy. <laughs> losing props. And let me tell you, this happens with the pros that really care when they have a bad, you know, week or if it's a bad, like, big package. Because this thing sold really well. A lot of people were following is they get all upset, you know. And I, I like that they care. And I often say, hey, it's a long-term thing, you know, ebbs and flows. He kept going text after text. And then I finally realized, oh, it's how much he lost. I mean, no, not, not that he doesn't care. He cares. <laughs> but it's like none of my words are going to matter when he lost yeah. a lot of money. But luckily, we got two, two men. <laughs> it takes the strength of two men to take or replace Fez for the uh, – in fact, we gave him the week off. So he'll be back next week. He's off this week. He was working very hard. He had – man, what we're going to do at the end of the pod is go through his plays because he sent me his spreadsheet on what the number was at release mm-hmm. and what the number was at close. And you don't eat closing line value, but it is a good indication of if it was the right – or at least the sharp side, or I think in the long term, the right side. right? The winning side is always the right side in the short term. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he was quite upset. And I should have known because I told these guys before, and we got Scott Seidenberg with us also, the second of the two men, is on Saturday we recorded a pod uh, solo with me. And I got home and told Fez, I promoted something on there. I said, and then texted him. He goes, oh, he goes, I was thinking, do you want 200 on each of my uh, props at the number I bet him at? I go, well, yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, the number's already moved. He's he's done all the work. You know, it's a nice little, you know, hey, add a 200 adds up, you know, go seven and two, whatever. I should have known. Well, first of all, when is Fez that generous? He's a generous to me, but not that generous. Yeah. Then he said. At the current, the number I got. Yeah. That, yeah. And then it's, it's almost like AJ with his, with his, uh, Pappy Vander Van Winkle. Uh-huh. And when he breaks those shots out, you know it's special. Yeah. My my personal reserve. <laughs> but anyway, he then said, I'll give you uh, a, a 3% free roll on my all my parlay cards. So I'm thinking, no, there's no chance he's there. I go, yeah, great. Those lose. Man. And then he said, ask McKenzie about what happened. McKenzie, what, what, was there some big story around the 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 parlay cards? No, I got this. Uh, the Fez's advice on the parlay cards was: if you've got Eagles to win, you want Eagles to have last possession. Chiefs yeah, well, to win, yeah. Chiefs to have last but, possession. But I think the there was three or four things that yeah, were there was, yeah, but those, but those were the two he said on every card. If you like mix and match the other stuff, but play Eagles to win, Eagles possess the ball last. Chiefs to win, Chiefs to possess the ball last, and because it flipped. Basically, all those parlay cards were dead. I bought, I, I got parlay cards, the same ones, those William Hill ones, for my kids and my wife, just so they'd be interested in the game. And my uh, my older son. Wait, so your kid, your two boys need in- inducements to be interested in the Super Bowl? I mean, my ten year old certainly does. Okay, yeah, he he wanted to watch Family Ties reruns. He, that's what he prefers to do, <laughs> yeah, watching Cheers. Uh, but he, 
he lost because the Eagles had the ball last. He would have won that that parlay card. It was oh, so they now understand gambling yeah. a little bit. And it was I, like twenty bucks to win uh, two fifty or something like he was he more was than bummed. that probably. Yeah, two yeah, well yeah, you're ten years old, yeah. two fifty. I lost the parlay card because I had uh, Chiefs to have the ball last, but I also had Chiefs score to be uh, odd. Mm. That was one of the selections I did. Now, what was your rationale on that? Well, I was just getting five legs. Okay, yeah, yeah. I had to get the Having fun. Having fun. Leg. Um, <laughs> but the theory is when you have those correlations on a parlay card that you don't, that the parlay card isn't accounting for, then you can overcome the VIG, and it can be, in theory, positive EV. Well, that's what, what Fez explains, is those parlay cards are the only ones that give you, they give you the true payouts on the parlays. Mm. As opposed to like you go to do like a FanDuel or DraftKings same game same game oh, parlay, okay, but you're you not say, getting the true payouts. All right, but but yeah, but here's the thing: true payouts, true odds would be what the actual mathematical odds are. So like a four teamer would be fifteen to one. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is the standard payouts yeah. without accounting for any correlations, because there used to be no correlations allowed. Like mm -hmm. you could parlay side and total, but you could never parlay props to a game. Yeah. But then the innovation with was it FanDuel or was it DraftKings that did it first? I don't know who did it first. They yeah. both do it. Yeah, yeah. so everyone that, does it now. Yeah. But that was a big innovation. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think for all the decades, Vegas didn't do it. Vegas still doesn't do it. I, well, this is this was a special occasion for the Super Bowl, and they had these the cards that allowed the parlay cards. William Hill's the only one who had cards only that were, had any like I went to South Point. The South Point parlay cards, it's almost all even numbers, like whole numbers. Yeah, but it's not ties lose. Ties lose. But the, the ties lose cards are giving you a better payout. So the, it's one of those 14 things. 14 for 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's like uh, over under two interceptions thrown in the game. Oh, yeah. Ties lose. Well, it's there's like, certainly dude. exploitive stuff for yeah. sure. And and that's why literally I don't know anyone that feels has empathy for sportsbook operators. I often say, and I mean, listen, I often say there's some good ones out there, but. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. But, you know, what is that caveat impor? Beware, buyer beware. Yeah. Just it, speaking of the cockroaches, you heard about the William Hill uh, Nevada app? No, but Crash. Let, let, me, yeah. let, let me make one clarification and then I want to hear this. Is So really what we're saying here is that Vegas doesn't have a same game parlays. In general, same game parlays aren't great bets. And we're going to do a whole show about that. There are opportunities there when there's it just the, the thing is, let's say there's a correlation of 20%. If they discount it by twenty five percent, it's like buying half points. It's like I get I get half points. Well, how much are you paying for them? Right? If you're paying more than they're worth, it's a negative thing. Well, in most same game parlays, you get to bet in a correlated bet. Oh, look, Mahomes over and Casey winning or whatever. It's not always going to happen, but if one happens, there's a better chance the next one does. Yeah. But they discount the payoff sufficiently to cover all the correlation and more in most of the cases. It's just when there's correlation they don't understand. And I'll give you just one example of that as a little prelude to what we're going to be doing here in a couple of weeks when we do this big same game parlay card episode. Is imagine a situation where you're going over three or four receivers on the same team that you expect them to win big so let's say the line's minus three and you say okay that home team's minus three i'm going to play them at minus ten and a half to start all of this so now the assumption is this team rolled okay now what's correlated to that okay we're going to go with the number one wide receiver over yards number two wide receiver over yards tight end over yard but at a certain point it's not possible that everyone's going to go over 
So now you say, I'm going under on the running back and under on maybe one other. It's going to give you like a jumbo payout because they think you're doing playing something that the algorithm does now, that you're playing something inversely correlated. But in truth, at a certain point, it's going to be that if these guys do go over, the odds of the next one going over goes down. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a golden tip right there. Does that resonate? Yep. And um, so there is a way to exploit them. It's usually going to be with jumbo payouts where you're going to bet 10 bucks to win, you know, 900. But now the question is, can you make it positive EV in the long run? Hmm. Um, you were saying about William Hill. The William Hill Nevada app crashed during the Super Bowl and it's been out of commission for over 30 hours. Still down as of an hour ago. Wow. I could see it being down even through the game, but once the traffic ended, I don't understand. Yeah. I wonder nope. if it was like a denial of service attack or something. Because you think about it, I mean, if, I don't want to give the— Maybe that's why Fez isn't here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had a pre-plan. He had a pre-plan week. But the um, the, the thing that, that interests me, or, or doesn't interest me, but it just gave me an idea, if I were an international criminal, is, is a denial of service attack like the morning of the Super Bowl— with a ransom, you know, like you you hit him with a DOS attack, and then you and again, I'm not giving ideas here because I'm sure the evil hackers can figure out for themselves if it was viable. But how much would William Hill or Book XYZ pay to have their stuff out? You know, yeah. they pay a quick million. But think about like Fez talks to us all the time about how how much money is out there live betting. Now, he uses multiple books, and he recommends using multiple books. Sure. But imagine you're the person with funds in your William Hill app, and you're sitting there watching the game, and you're just trying to capitalize off these live betting opportunities, and you don't have access. Or imagine it will, will be even more aggravating for the casual bet, or the, not the casual, but the not the pro better is imagine you have a situation you want to get off a bet. Yeah. Right? You made a big bet on the under. You want to find the spot to get on the over, and you can't. You know It does— reinforce the idea of more than one Having more out yeah. and also it reinforces in a business sense that as much money as these books are making they don't have the technology departments uh tech departments like a google like an apple and that's why let's be honest a lot of these apps are not very easy to use either you know some are better than others okay let's get to the game we're going to talk the game but we're not going to spend too much time on it we're going to talk a little normal sports fan stuff you know, is Mahomes, where's he rank in the all-timers, for example? Uh, I think it's going to be Herbert, Mahomes, <laughs> Brady, coming from AJ. Maybe. We'll see. Oh, then we should ask AJ for next week is what do you think at the end of their careers where they're going to be? That's interesting. No, let's do that, that one real quick. Herbert or Mahomes at the end of his career, who's going to be in higher esteem? Well, Mahomes, not close. Not even close? Not close. How, and is there any other quarterback you take over Herbert that is under 30 right now? No. So oh, he, no, I would take, I'd still take Josh Allen over Herbert. For his esteem in his career? Yes. Ah, wow. Well, when's the esteem going to start? I, I don't know. When's it going to start for anybody in the AFC not named well, Patrick Mahomes? I mean, Burrow made a Super Bowl. I mean, making the game matters. Yeah. So, I mean, you, if you win one, making the game and other ones matter. The Bills made four in a row, and no one cares. No. It's almost like a negative. Mm-hmm. People, I mean, like people act like Jim Kelly's a punchline, kind of, which is sad. So, it, so is Marv Levy. Yeah. And they were so good in one of the original Tecmos. I had Andre Reed at receiver. Andre Reed was a force. Thurman Thomas. 
Uh, there was a thing going around about is Dan Marino the unquestioned best player who never won a Super Bowl? And I was like, man, Bruce oh, Bruce oh, Smith oh, oh. is like was it's so hard. dominant. And yeah, but like, he wasn't even the best in his era. Reggie White was better than him. But I'm not saying he wasn't great. Yeah. But it's like you got to be the best in your era. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Was was Marino the best in his era? Oh yeah, better than Montana. He well, it, it well remember it's so funny because I think of Montana as being later, but he really wasn't. What was eighty three with Marino, right? Was yeah, the draft. We're, we're, and well, Montana might have been the year before that. Now yeah. I think about, um, but the I think it's a lot like Brady. Well, if Brady would have won four Super Bowls instead of seven, it would have been a lot like Brady and Manning. Because up until I would say the Atlanta game. You know, the comeback mm-hmm. is the conversation was generally, oh, Brady's better in the postseason, but Manning's better. Like, that was the conversation. Yeah. And then the one day that just wasn't the case, right? Manning retires and he just keeps going. I think, well, I was a kid, but like the Montana Marino was like that. Is everyone knew Montana was, or Marino was the better quarterback except for clutch. And the question is, is there clutch or not? Which a lot of people, like all of our opinions are so wrapped up into rings, but this game proves how rings are so random. You got to get there, but, and if you lose 38 to, you know, 38 5 or whatever, like the Bills did that one game, it's not random. 50, 52 to 17. <laughs> Was that it? Who's counting? Yeah, but remember the Leon Lett where he had the, yeah, ball? yeah I mean, that, you know, <laughs> Tasker made a lot. Was it Tasker? Yep, Steve yeah. Tasker. All right. So this game, though, if you look at it, more yards. Philadelphia, more first downs, Philadelphia, time of possession, Philadelphia. By and, and at a certain point later in the game, it was extreme. It was extreme early in the game. In the first half, the Chiefs only had the ball for like eight minutes. And and at the end, and, and I think it got even more extreme. And then at a certain point, it turned, you know, mm-hmm. then they had the longer drive. Is if you looked at like Hertz's yards, you look at Mahomes' yards, you look at time of possession total yards, first downs, and you said, who went? Now you can bet the game. <laughs> I mean, be hard to imagine. It's hard not to bet the Eagles, yeah. I Agreed. And what was the difference? Well, let's look at our EPA breakdown. McKenzie does a good job on this one. We look at offensive line of scrimmage plays in one category. Turnovers, even if they come from the line of scrimmage, they get pulled out into another category. Then we've got a bunch of other things that don't add up to much. Things like uh, kick returns, punt returns. Um, we also have hidden points, which is like usually a tenth of a point. Scoring from kicking. Kneel downs we separate out. kick uh, Opponents kick returns and punt returns, etc. Penalties, all that. But the two main areas is turnovers and offensive line of scrimmage. The snaps that happen other than, you know, first through fourth down if you go forward on fourth. They were almost identical. Philadelphia actually a little bit more. 22.2 points versus 21.5 from the line of scrimmage without turnovers. Now, Mackenzie, maybe put this up on the screen for me. Um, did we find out what the uh, where that ranking was on the year? If you can't, just put it up. He's having a little mic issue. Which, again, I, there's no tr- truth that I sabotage. I did not snip his wire. I did not. <laughs> I don't care what people say. So we'll see about that. But these are high numbers. But then there was eight and a half points of turnovers. And it was just effectively one turnover, right? It was one fumble, right? Scoop yeah. and score. Yeah. And 
boy, how was that eight point? I mean, I guess, hmm. I guess it was both losing their opportunity and giving up seven points. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because well, of the return, I guess so. It only makes sense. Um, and, I, and and really, it's hard to see how Philly doesn't win the game. I don't want to say if it weren't for that play, because you never know the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. But what you know is if somehow you just take off eight and a half points. Well, yeah, because they were at midfield. So what's the percentage of Philly scoring mm-hmm. having the ball at midfield? Well, the, it, here's a, it was, that was a third down play, third yeah. and five. Best case scenario for Philly, it's a sack. So now yeah. it's fourth and, and long. They're, they would have had to punt there anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he doesn't fumble. But yeah. what happens if they call a slightly different play? Yeah, yeah. It, that exploits yeah. that. What I'm saying I was just is, saying, like, if he didn't, oh, if he didn't drop You're the ball. You're making a great point. You're making a great point. Saying even if he holds the ball, it's a kick. and But it's still, it's still let's say, let's say they get inside the, the 20 of the other team. That, that's going to be a slightly negative, well, hold on, slightly negative EPA for that next drive. So you could make the point that it was uh, still, a, even if they punt the ball, it's a seven, you know, I guess the difference between a punt and a touchdown the other way is going to be about six points. Yeah. Because the other the other one's going to be a, a, a minus. You're going to gain a point by punting inside mm-hmm. if you get it in the 20. If it's a good punt, it's still going to be six points. And and under that theory, Philly wins. Yeah. So in, in general, if they don't fumble it, but but again, we can't say Philly wins. We're saying that that adjustment allows Philly to win. Because obviously KC could have scored a touchdown at the end. Or KC could have gotten on, if they would have punted on that play instead of turning the ball over, maybe they get the a Kadarius Tony-like return and puts themselves in better, better field position. No doubt. And <laughs> and what we know is this. When these games, the, the ball is not round, and these games, football games that are tight, there's a couple of plays that swing the games. And it's <clears throat> I don't believe particularly that – Hertz is not a choker because he fumbled that ball. I think there are chokers out there. I, I I go against the pure math guys that I think in extreme cases, there's clutch. I think Montana coming in and talking about John Candy in the crowd, the mm-hmm. famous thing against the Bengals, I think there's not many guys that can do that. I don't think, you know, I don't know what Jim Kelly was like in the huddle, but my sense is it probably wasn't like that. As a Steeler fan, I know Bill Cowher hurt Pittsburgh's chances to win Super Bowls once it got to the conference finals. They have one of the worst rack. If you look at the Steelers in the Cowher era, they had like six times they hosted the conference final game. <laughs> I mean, like, think about that. And they got to the Super Bowl one time, well, I guess with him twice eventually, is, oh, 95 one still bothers me. The Cowboys, Cowboys. fan. Oh, that that's ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> I, I remember there was a, what was it, Irving did an offensive pass interference or something, and it was a big con- – I think it actually went Pittsburgh's way, but we had we had Neil O'Donnell, a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Not good enough. He wasn't supposed to, yeah. And Bam Morris, a running back. I got a Neil O'Donnell autographed football at home. You want it? Nah. <laughs> Ass. <laughs> it's all deflated and dusty and everything. Uh, exactly. <laughs> So, so to me, as much as we want to count rings, this game proves it could have went either way. Yep. And, it, and it can't be an indictment of anyone. If anything, I think Hurts, the, the case could be made that Hurts was the best player on the field. I think the case can be made that if it weren't for the fumble, maybe he's the second guy in history to win the MVP. Let's say they lose the game. No fumble. It could happen. Does he get the MVP? I think he does. 
because I think he, then he was clearly the best player on the field. I mean, he had four touchdowns to his name. Like he was, he was the force. But I, I do think that the fifth touchdown that, that he accounted for going the other way basically eliminated him from that conversation. What do you think? I would agree with that because I, I said – You think he would have been it? I said, yeah, he was the best player on the field. But do you think he would have won the MVP? That's a different question. I don't because I don't think the voters would have done it because it's – in order for a guy to be the MVP in a loss, it would have to not only be an overwhelming performance by that player – but you would have to have nobody to vote for on the winning team. And the narrative behind Patrick Mahomes playing with the injury and doing what he did and Going being for 195 gutsy yards? doesn't matter. The rushing three touchdowns and that big run in the fourth quarter, the, the voters are gushing over that. And they're saying, oh, yeah, Mahomes is the MVP. So you, it, it has to be a combination of one player on the losing team being so great and no one else on the winning team having the narrative to be the MVP. What time are votes due? Before the two-minute warning. Then how did they even know if the Chiefs were going to win the game or not? Yeah. Don't you at that point have to I give think you uh, submit I think you submit you submit both. Provisionary I, yeah. ballots. I, I would think so. Because there's no way they're having to vote without them knowing who won. Okay. So they probably submit, hey, if the Eagles win, it's Jalen Hurts. If the Chiefs win, Patrick Mahomes. If anyone knows that one, tweet me at RJ in Vegas. I'd like to know that because – in theory, last year's game was was up in the air, right? Remember since well, last he was driving. Year, well, that was the problem is that last year. Well, that but they had to vote with two minutes left. Yeah, so, yeah. and that's why Aaron Donald didn't win yeah. because the votes were handed in before he had the two sacks on the final drive. Yeah, and Mahomes' twenty six yard run occurred with two minutes and forty one seconds left in the game. Ah, so fresh in the minds. Yeah, and they had the lead. And they had the lead. You know what I think to fix the MVP? I think they should allow you to vote for the offensive line or the defensive line. Or the line, like split up the defense into three groups, right? Secondary linebackers, linemen. Yeah, yeah. or maybe front and D backs. You know, yeah. even two groups, and then have the offensive line as it. So you got three, like in horse racing. Sometimes if there's a couple of long shots, real long shots, they'll put them together. So if, if any of them win, yeah. You're if good. you bet one, you bet you bet all of them. Meaning you get like extra free rolls. I think wouldn't that be more interesting? Because it feels so predetermined now. It feels so like it's you know like occasionally like Brady lost it. Edelman, uh, yeah, to Edelman and and Cooper Cup last year. Yeah, but I don't know who else. I mean, other than Donald, which would have been interesting, sure. right? But I like it now. But I mean, Matt Stafford was throwing the ball to Cooper Cup. Like it yeah, just, he was it only really throwing easy. to Cooper Cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, what would be interesting? <laughs> what, yeah, what would be interesting is if they did. They're never going to do it. But if they did that, if you voted for an individual player in that position group, it counts as a vote for the team <clears throat> or, or the position group. And thus, let's say there's. Um, but if the individual player would win with his own votes, he wins it. So let's say last year Donald would have won it, let's say, if the timing was different. It would have been a bunch of votes for him and maybe a couple votes for the D-line. I don't even know if there would have been any. Mm. But in that case, he still wins. So yeah. he has every chance to win he would have had before, but at least you're increasing the chance that someone – how cool would it be for that O-line to be co-MVPs that would be kind of cool in a way to show the quarterback isn't everything. The thing also is that the fans do vote, and it does, like twenty percent of it. It accounts for a certain percentage. Yeah, but you could have the, you could have that on the ballot yeah. just as easy. Right? Yeah, but what are the fans going to do? The fans are going to vote for the quarterbacks. Come on. Well, that means we have to do something yeah. out. Yeah. But but it is interesting. There's been less quarterbacks. Well, now this one changes it. But what's it been? It was six of the last ten years, right? Yeah. And the fans have been voting for how long? Supposedly, someone said for twenty years. I don't believe that. I don't think that's true. Yeah. 
I but also, it, like, and I like the idea. I don't know. I like. I, I think what Tom Brady did when Malcolm Butler probably should have won the MVP when he sealed the the game with that interception. Tom Brady said, "You know what? Take the truck. You get the truck. That there's your prize." <laughs> Is you that what he the, did? Yeah, he gave him the the MVP truck. And Malcolm Butler said, "I'll never sell that truck. That's my MVP trophy." Hmm. And but when they talk about Brady, he still he gets still the, got it. Well, I tell you, if he doesn't get the Adelman, I mean, the Adelman one could have went his way too. I mean, sure. it's, it's so. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. You can almost always give it to the winning quarterback. It's which a matter makes of, it boring. It does. I agree. I mean, and I think if if you opened up the possibility of saying, you just tell the voters, hey, listen, we are re, you know, point of emphasis mm-hmm. is whoever's the best player. It shouldn't really be about who won the game. Whoever was the most valuable. Now it's easier to be valuable if you win. Of course. But you know, go ahead. We're wrong. Two thousand one fan votes. That's what they say. I don't think that's. I true. mean, that's, that's according. I think to- it's a couple of uh, Pete Rosell's friends. Maybe were voting on. <laughs> but maybe that's what it says on NFL.com. Yeah, uh, that sounds like propaganda. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't believe that. All right, Mackenzie's got some kind of official-looking document up. And, uh, propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are the final bell. No, I don't know. I kind of, what do you guys think of that? Because the theory is here's the theory we're doing this on Monday night, which means everyone else, almost everyone's had their recap show. And to me, my favorite thing is to listen to all the ones I respect and then consolidate and kind of pass on almost like a Cliff Notes version, the best of it. So if we're, if we close, if this show closes the book on the week, the final bell, like the, I don't, do you have, you have stocks, right? Closing bell. Yeah. That's the that's oh, the, they call that the closing bow. Yeah, that's what uh, Mackenzie right. Mackenzie suggested that, and I said maybe it's too stocky, like with yeah, the stocks. Yeah, I kind of like it because then, I, yeah. Well, final. Why was I? Th- why was I? Don't the final bell is what they do at the end of a boxing match. Yeah. Hmm. Final horn at the end of an MMA fight. Mm-hmm. But I've heard the. I don't. You know what it is? Rocky one. Uh huh. Actually, look up the soundtrack if you don't mind. There's a song called The Final Bow. That's not why I did this, but I'm almost sure there is. <laughs> Are you sure? It's not The Final Countdown. It's from Rocky. Oh, no, The Final Bow is a song. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, All right. Bill Con- gonna, the great Bill Conti. I'm going to try to act like that was why I said that. We I just, don't say that word. <laughs> Maybe you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you, <laughs> I got 75 with oh, wait. I was going to do No, I've got one that's kind of like the end Let me see here I've got this one Ladies and gentlemen Please hold all tickets The stewards have posted the inquiry sign Oh, I like that But I, I thought I had one with the The stock market so, Well Next year, we'll figure it out. <laughs> maybe now is not the time. So maybe it is the closing bell. There you go. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think so. I kind of like And then get that. the image, get, get the sound of like the, 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 the on New York CNBC or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, okay, let's look at the other projections on the game. Everyone has Kansas City winning, and it's driven by that turnover. Kevin Cole, five point win for KC. The pregame EPA, eight point win, and that's adjusted. And the Football Outsider says 8.2. So we were right in the middle. I like that. Now, a recalculation of the stats to say, hey, the stats, underlying stats lead to points, but they don't always lead to points. So what's just the underlying stats say? Well, that one says KC by seven. So everyone's right in line. And you might say, well, it's only three. They're saying, well, remember, they could have had the touchdown at the end. And additionally, um, the turnover was worth eight and a half points. So effectively, beyond a shadow of a doubt, at least statistically, Philly wins this game if it's not for that turnover. 
or at least Philly has the winning profile. How much how much does the non-touchdown at the end get factored in? Because that's factored if, into what? These projections? Yeah, because the McKinnon run where he takes the he he slides down and takes the knee at the 1-yard line so they can burn the clock and then kick the game-winning field goal. That's a touchdown. And shouldn't that be graded as far as EPA expected points that that play results in a touchdown? No. Because the EPA is always now, here's the thing. There are people like Kevin Cole and like Neflo who do adjusted EPA. Mm-hmm. So what they do is statistically they say, okay, the EPA always lines up with the score. Yes. So he didn't score the touchdown. But I guess I'm saying like, like the expected numbers. So I guess that would be the adjusted numbers. Yeah. In theory, what you do is you say, hey, was that turnover? Was mm-hmm. that interception supposed to be an interception? If it is, it stands. If not, we assume it didn't happen. And that's what the adjustments do. And those adjustments are not very prevalent out there. Meaning, in a way, that's what Football Outsiders does. But they don't do it under the EPA model. They mm-hmm. kind of invented their own model before EPA Though EPA was kind of first thought of back in 1970, it wasn't prevalent at all in, in, in when Football Outsiders came along, and it's really been the last five years. I guess what I'm trying to get at is I understand he takes the knee. Your winning percentage is tremendously high because you don't have to— Well, it's better than the touchdown. Yeah, it? yeah, because you don't have to give the ball back. Or when you do give the ball back, there's only eight, seven seconds left, right? But if he scores a touchdown there and you go up seven mm-hmm. with a minute— and change left in the game, like, how do the numbers figure out, you know? Like, what are the chances of Philly tying the game with a touchdown with no timeouts left? So you're asking not, as we look back at the game in hindsight, to say what really happened because you're saying that score was deceiving because there wasn't a touchdown. You're saying, do you think it was the right decision not to score? No, I know it was the right decision not to score. I'm just saying, how would we look at, we think that this should have been a seven-point margin for for KC. If McKinnon scores a touchdown there, this is a seven-point margin Mm -hmm. for KC. Well, maybe. Well, the question is – oh, go ahead. Make your point. Well, I mean, if McKinnon scores there, then there's like a minute and 45 seconds for oh, the let's Eagles just say to go one of, score. One of the key – oh, on that – okay. One of the key out – and they would have had timeouts, right? Yeah. No, well, they, they would have had one, one timeout. timeout. Yeah. With, with, in theory, at that point, with the, if that's Mahomes on the other side, you figure that's at least 50%, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, the way Jalen Hurts was playing, yeah. you know um, – Here's what I would say. It matters what you're doing with the stat. If you're trying to represent, the way we think about it is some stats are descriptive. They describe what happened. And some are predictive. They predict the future better. Descriptively, the um, what, the EPA would have just matched mm-hmm. the score, right? And that score would have, and, and as we talked about earlier, the kneel downs ended up, they adjusted by 2.3 points. How did they lose 2.3 points? Well, because they're saying the chance of scoring a touchdown went down as you knelt back. Yeah. It doesn't have – it's dumb and not dumb like people are dumb, but a dumb system in some small ways. Though EPA is very good in most ways. Um, now, what Kevin Cole and those guys, I don't want to speak for them, but in general, they probably have it figured where it was like seven. But but to be honest, the points don't really matter to things like this. I would say expected points added doesn't necessarily totally – correlate to percentage to chance to win the game because each one of those kneel downs made the Chiefs a higher favorite to win the game even though it was taking away points from what their final expected score would be I agree but that's a rare in general as EPA goes up the chance to win goes up what what I would find uh here's the perfect example that explains the difference and we'll move on is imagine oh here's a perfect example the Super Bowl when it was the uh it was 
Jeff Fisher was coaching. Was that the, that was, was Titans Rams. Rams? Was it Titans? Yeah. It wasn't. When did the Titans? When did Houston? Huh. Somebody. No, nah, I guess it wasn't the Oilers. All right, Titans. Thank you. Um, but Jeff Fisher was he was the coach of when they were in Houston, yeah. right? Oh, okay, that's what's confusing. Um, um, that play was what a yard short or yep. whatever. Yeah, right? Mason. Yep. Okay, in EPA and everything. I think EPA was around then. That's interesting. I, I want to look at that game. In EPA and everything, there, there wouldn't be. I wonder how they'd even like reconcile that. But in theory, there'd be no plays to take away the points. So the theory is you didn't get that last yard. Mm-hmm. Which affected the scoreboard by seven, but that last yard is worth it. Like if you got first and goal on the one with no time issues, they assume what is it, McKenzie? About like six points at that point. Oh, I guess he's not, not on my. Um, so, like get, getting running it in from the one is worth like a point mm. on first down. They've already assumed that yeah, you scored. Right, yeah. it's, most of it's already attributed. Yeah. So. Um, uh, it is. In, I think there are flaws in EPA, and I'm not talking at the highest math level. I'm saying just logically, but it's a hell of a system. And, and the main reason it is, is is you can group plays in any way you want discreetly. You can say all plays that you roll left, all plays you're in shotgun, all plays that you're – it doesn't matter. If it if the clock is on an even number, it doesn't – you could do it. And um, that bundling – I mean, I'll give you a great example uh, – First quarter batting is something I've gotten into more. Next year, I'll be giving out even more of that stuff on the pods and stuff. On those kind of things, you can look at the scoring in the first quarter. But how often are there long drives at the end? And and it's like if they score in first down, it's in the first quarter. They don't. They score in second down, but it's a second quarter score. So all of a sudden now, you look at your season numbers, and it's like, wow, look at the distinct. But it it might be deceiving. Yeah. But on EPA, like, you know, 20 or uh, 94% of the points would have been attributed in the first quarter and only a tiny amount in the second. So it allows you to slice and dice the plays. This is the final bell, the opening bell, the, what is it? Closing bell. The closing bell. Yeah. Can't be opening. (laughs) I know that's, that was the joke. Oh, I'm just. I think you've made a good decision not going into com, into yeah, stand up. No, no, good, <laughs> but you kind of look like George Carlin, just a little in the face. A heavy set George Carlin. <laughs> no, a musk, a muscular. Okay, muscular. Okay, How's your diet? Uh, it's okay. But my, Mary was telling me that you are talking about uh, being. What is that when you eat a bunch of protein? What keto? Okay, like keto. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's ketosis, right? Yeah. Is what it's called. Okay. Are you in ketosis? No, right I'm not. Because I saw you eating a bunch of funyuns. No, I didn't eat any funyuns. <laughs> Honestly, the thing that kicks me out of ketosis more often than not is beer. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Like I don't eat a lot of junk food and tr- sugary snacks, I, but I do like to drink beer. Are you a friend of Bill W? No. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, that one flew over my head. Look it up. See what. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is the closing bow. I, I don't know. We'll vote on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's it say? Uh, William Griffith Wilson, also known as Bill W., was the co-founder of AA. That's kind of code, is my understanding. Yeah. I, no, I'm not friends with Bill. <laughs> I'm not anonymous. That's why. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, i got to be honest with you. That fascinates me. Um, 
the whole AA thing because the people who discovered it or invented it were alcoholics themselves and they were able to kick and stay, you know, stay on the wagon, whatever the lingo is. And they thought, wow, we, we've done this. They were good for, they became friends. I don't know if they were, they became, and then they say, let's try to you know, like proselytize this. Like this is the way to do it. And they just started like printing pamphlets mm-hmm. going around trying to say, Hey guy. And with the whole premise being, you know, the, the steps or whatever, but that the community of it being the key that you got support, right? Cause people feel alone with their shame or whatever is causing them to drink. And obviously it's not simple for people, but it's like for decades, the science guy said, oh, that's just, that's, that's BS. Like for decades, there was a real disdain amongst the, the, the doctors and everything about it. And just decade after decade, it worked for a lot of people. And now finally, in the last like 10 years, the analysis that science has figured out what they were missing that was part of this. And to me, it's always the thing about science. And I know it's political now, but it's like, is science is the best human guess at the time but you can't assume that that best guess is always right and it is the best guess though so if someone said you know i don't care if it's vaccines i don't care what it is is if the science is you know so overwhelming then boy you better know you're going against a really good guess right or if the science is kind of no, kind of. Because let's be honest, with eating, you hear different things. Every, I mean, sure. I mean, you especially, you, you lift weights, mm-hmm. Scott. I mean, I'm, do you follow like the new, like Joe Rogan talks a lot about that has on different people. It's the newest science. Yeah. Uh, uh, how often does that change? All the time. <laughs> so what? One day you're an idiot if you're not doing this. Yeah. But the next day you're an idiot yes. if you're doing Yes. It. You can see why there's skepticism because <laughs> the people in power want science to become like a new religion Except the Ten Commandments haven't changed, right? Right, and I mean, if you believe in religion, there's, there's, a, or if you're religious, I think there's a real comfort in that, right? And if you're not, there's a real, well, hey, things change, you know. Well, do they? I do think I, there's a beauty in immutable laws of, of, or at least morality. Though I don't always live that, I, I, would, I, I aspire. Who does? I, well, true enough, true enough. All right. Any other thoughts? on? We're going to go beyond the game, but I'm going to go around the horn, start with AJ. What is your main takeaway from the game? Or even as a fan, your impression, whatever, uh, that we haven't discussed. I think the the coaching, Andy Reid, I think moves into the top – Tier non Belichick department of head coaches all time. Like he's in that well, discussion. I, I mean, let's say in the modern era. Yeah, yeah. Because but, I don't know how to. I don't, yeah, George, George Hallis. Yeah. yeah, but he's he's on the Mount Rushmore of, of coaches in the Super Bowl era, uh, and I I, th- I think considering that mm-hmm. his he didn't have the best performance from Patrick Mahomes. The fact that he I mean, he had Patrick Mahomes on one leg in some ways. The fact that he was able to, he and his coaching staff were able to game plan that into a win especially given the first half, I think a lot of credit should go to Andy Reid. And it's funny because Andy Reid was a guy who was sort of mocked and made fun of early in his career for a guy who couldn't get it done in big games. Uh, And for him to be where he's at now is pretty impressive. You mean when he made like four straight conference finals? He was getting mocked? Yeah. He was doing the mocking. I mean, talk same, radio guys the same, the same people that mock Marv Levy and Jim Kelly because they couldn't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think that that's foolish. I mean, I hear I think you're right. There's what I, I thought you were talking about the game management, because to this day, they talk about how the, the basement dwellers talk about how that's my new term. It, <laughs> and remember, not all analytics people 
are basement dwellers. Just a good per- good percentage of them. Yeah, but all basement dwellers are analytics. Yeah. <laughs> that that you got to get straight. What do you think, Scott? Uh, I think it's the Eagles' defense absolutely collapsing in the second half and allowing the Chiefs to score on every possession in the second half and not making an adjustment to something that they got exposed to earlier in the season, which is that jet sweep fake and then going back to where you came from, which they got exposed against the Jaguars earlier this season. It's the, it's the play that Eric Bieniemy used to show his team to say, this is what we're going to do if we get in this situation, and they did it twice identical plays opposite sides of the fields for two touchdowns, no adjustments from the Eagles defense that cost them the game. And I think we, you, for the show that we did on, on last Wednesday, we, I, I gave out the, the stats on the quarterbacks that the Eagles had faced this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The average PFF grade of opposing quarterbacks this year was 67.9, which would that a 67.9 would rank that quarterback 24th, right between Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Hmm. Playing against Patrick Mahomes, they they hadn't been anywhere close even, to that all season. Was that all quarterbacks? All quarterbacks that they it played. It would be this interesting year. to see the ones they beat. That's yeah, true because yeah. they lost against some of the better. To Dak, well, yeah, Dak had a, Dak was the, the best one on the list. He had a huge game against him. So the Andy Reid stuff. Well, let's talk the enemy first. Mm-hmm. Rumor is he's going somewhere to be an OC, which is, I don't understand that. Well, I think what what it is is Just getting out of the Reid shadow. I think it's he's got a there's there's a whisper campaign or whatever the amongst those in the club there's something about him because um, and some people might say well he's black that's why and and, and maybe so I don't know but it, it does seem like you look at the other OCs that's been under Reed during this Kenneth or KC run and it's like they haven't had a problem getting jobs. So now the theory, but the, now I know he's got stuff in his past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, look at Mike Kafka was the quarterbacks coach who became the Giants' offensive coordinator, and then they start interviewing for head coaching jobs. Yeah. <laughs> so, but supposedly he, I mean, again, I, I'll just say this is something you hear the scuttlebutt, but I think it's been reported to some degree. But how do you report something? It's subjective. So it's been reported, but I don't say it's a fact. But he's just a. A dis- doesn't have a great person. Apparently, he just rubs people the wrong way. Some people the wrong way. I don't know, though. I've never met him. And it's easy to do that when you're Belichick and you have skins on the wall. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think – that's interesting because with Belichick um, – again, I'm a defender of Belichick. He doesn't need me defending him. But amongst his friends, they talk about him being like a really – you know, he laughs, he has fun, but he's doing a job, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think sometimes there's people that's got personalities that just are a little prickly, you know, and, and you know, it doesn't mean they're an evil person at heart. It means it's just not necessarily, they're not easygoing. In general, I'd rather have someone that's a little prickly than too easygoing. Ideally, they're right there, right, in the, the right spot. But it, it, usually people that don't care a lot aren't, aren't really getting worked up about too much, Yeah. right? So I think that, you know, well, what, Rock, I mean, Mick, Mick got worked up. I mean, Rocky got worked up with a locker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he beat Spider Rico. Yeah, he gave his locker away. I mean. Exactly. When's the last time you've seen that scene? Uh, well, it's been a while, but I mean, I, I picture it in my head. It can fall asleep. I mean, because what's great about it is how aggressive they're screaming at each other. He goes, do you want to know? He goes, I want to know. It's like, it's as intense as anything ever put to film almost. Like the deer hunter <laughs> like Russian roulette scene in that one's right there. And it's like, it's over the locker. Yeah. 
Gave his locker away. That's why Mick. Tough love, they say. They they put a put a little spike in the glove and kept hitting me and hitting punched holes in my. Oh wait. <laughs> Rocky One's a good movie. It is a great movie. The only one that won an award. <laughs> it won the, it won the yeah. Oscar for the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, will you I watch? Will you watch Creed the, Creed Three in theaters? The fact that Stallone's not in it is just bothers no, me I so won't. much. You're out on that. Yeah, were I'll you, watch it. Were home. you in on the first two Creeds? Oh, first one I loved. First one was incredible. I loved Stallone. It. Did, oh, he won the Golden Globe. He didn't win the Oscar for yeah. Best Supporting Actor. I saw the sec- apparently the and I I don't know when the voting happens, but supposedly Stallone said something that people took as condescending. Because let's be honest, Rocky was a white hope type movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then Creed becomes more, you know, obviously centered on the black boxer. Yeah, and Stallone said something that seemed well-meaning, but people took it wrong, and supposedly that is what swung the voting. Is yeah, there, but he still know. won. He won the Golden Globe. Yeah, but no one cares. Actor, yes. Come I on, mean, Hollywood Foreign Press. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing entourage now? Yeah. <laughs> Victory. <laughs> That's what Sloan said also. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, Andy Reid on Biennemi, this is a quote. I'm hoping he has, now should I be doing like chewing right now to like act like I'm eating a hot dog when I'm, when I'm doing it? <laughs> I'm hoping he has an opportunity to go somewhere and do his thing where he can run the show and be Eric Biennemi. That's a weird thing for a head coach to say, right? Like, it sounds like he's getting one. I mean, because here's what I know. When Belichick got fired from the Browns, Bill Parcells and him were hardly speaking, but he Parcells took him back and let him run the defense because why not, right? I I, I think Andy Reid, from all accounts, John Middlecoff worked with him. I mean, people love Andy Reid. So, like, let's say he's a great – I'm not saying he's all Machiavellian, but it does seem like he's trying to push him out the door. Or it it feels like Andy Reid doesn't think that he's necessary. For oh, what yeah, he for does. sure, yeah. Like, because if he felt he was necessary, he'd be saying, "I, I, I don't want you to leave." But Especially or like a lateral Andy move. Reed doesn't plan on leaving anytime soon. Well, I don't think Bian. If anything, if he's worried about someone supplanting him from within, he keeps Bianami there. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, this, if 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 he had plans to retire mm-hmm. in a year or two, Bianami could be the coach and winning. It could be the McDaniel's well, he doesn't Belichick thing. Maybe he but, is going to be retiring. He doesn't when, want that. But then when Belichick decides to stay around, McDaniel's then can explore other options. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So maybe this is Andy Reid saying, "Hey, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon." But he's you going can- for an OC job. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's not turning down the Colts for the job with with Andrew Luck there. <clears throat> Boy, that was bold. <laughs> um, speaking of Machiavellian, I noticed, or let's say potentially, let I noticed that Mahomes was given a lot of love, a lot of love to Hertz after the game. Said, "Let's not get lost in their loss," which was an interesting phrase. He goes, "But how great he played." Now I had a theory on this, and then. Scott said, hold my beer, and he has a bigger theory. But then I heard his theory, and I went one level higher. This is an interesting little thing here. Here's what I'm thinking. All right, Mahomes is considered the best quarterback, I think rightfully so. Okay. Now, as of even a month ago, six weeks ago, it was like, oh, maybe half a season ago. It was Josh Allen second, and then other people right behind. All right. But then Josh Allen drops off a little bit. And we've got Burrow. And Bur- it becomes, is it Burrow or is it Mahomes? All right. Now, Hertz wasn't really in the conversation as the second best quarterback coming in this game. He was, the question was, was he a lead or not, was the question. Yeah. 
but this was a monster game. As we said, best player on the field. I'm thinking Mahomes might have been thinking, well, wait a minute. If I give some love to Hurts, it makes me look gracious. But number two, it muddies the water behind me. Instead of there being a clear hierarchy, and that's if one of if, if that second guy has a good year and I don't, he jumps me. Why don't I just have it all like the throngs down below and just add Hurts in? So now is Hurts second? Is Allen second? Is Burrow second? Is Herb second? That just benefits the leader because he's got more differentiation. Yeah, there's no one and one A. Mm-hmm. There's a one, and then there's a bunch of other guys. And that's what he's accentuating by giving Hurts love. I don't disagree. And I don't know if if it was just instinctual or if it was planned. You wouldn't think he was thinking about it, but who knows? Now, Scott, you said over the top. What I, was your thinking? I think he's pumping him up because when Jalen Hurts' time for a contract comes up, he sets the new bar for quarterbacks. And then it comes an opportunity. So the where more that market gets inflated, the more money he say, gets eventually. And Mahomes can come back and say, you know what? I'm actually undervalued and underpaid. Mm-hmm. Let's restructure this thing. Now, some people listening might say, but he's got a 10-year contract. But that was the key, restructure. They can always renegotiate it. Mm-hmm. And the more leverage. I think maybe, maybe not. I think the fact that he was so generous in the terms of that, where it might seem crazy with the amount of money, but really he's already underpaid. Yeah. And what's going to happen in year eight? Right? Yeah, there was an article. The Wall Street Journal said something like last week. It was like he's the the first half a billion dollar player, but he's underpaid. I think that's fair yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, when I heard what Scott was saying, I immediately thought of no. But he figures, well, if Philly has this super team in a way that was the best roster, and I know they got some people they're going to lose, but still they're going to be very competitive, the more money I can get Hurts – the less money they have. It's like Dak taking – it's the opposite of Tom Brady, right? Yeah. Is the idea of Tom Brady took $10 million less, and thus it helped the Patriots win Super Bowls. Well, if Hurts takes $5 million more because of the – you know, and again, one comment, well, it's just general direction. I tell you, things are – narratives are affected by small things sometimes. So – or it could have just been innocent. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like you, you can't have both – you know, if A.J. Brown's going to be on your team for the foreseeable future, well, when Devontae Smith's rookie deal is done, you're not signing him because you're already paying Jalen Hurts. Yeah. So you're going to lose him. Uh, you know, things like that. All these defensive players, you're going to lose them. All right, a couple more things to wrap up the game. The grass, I'm talking on the field, is <laughs> the edibles, man, is obviously it hindered Philadelphia's D-line. Now, AJ, you came up with the idea, and I was thinking of it earlier. It was very insightful, kind of similar for different reasons to what happened in the Buffalo-Cincinnati game. Yeah, all we talked about going into that game was Cincinnati's O-line and what a disaster they were from a health standpoint. Bill's pass rush should have eaten them up, and they couldn't because they could never get any traction. They couldn't get any push off the line, so the offensive line – they were able to hold up because the the turf was like a sixth offensive lineman. And I think that was the case in this game as well. So there's always debate. Does bad weather lead to more scoring, less scoring? What I've always said is if there's wind, it's always, it's going to be less. If it's slippery, the old adage was the offense knows where they're going. The defense doesn't. That's they're more inclined to slip. Also, it's a not a weak link. It is a weak link system defense, which means if there's one weak link, that's all it takes, right? So if one cornerback slips, it's an almost a touchdown mm-hmm. if it's man to man. If one receiver slips, 
It just limits where the guy can go with the ball. Mm -hmm. So in general, but now we've got an additional element that's pro offense, which is especially I think it hurts the better defensive line. Meaning both both teams are playing with the same disadvantage, Mm -hmm. but no one really expected Casey to get a ton of pressure. So if you if you rely on your pass rush, it affects you more than an average team that mm -hmm. relies less on their pass rush. And and it's important if you rely on your pass rush without blitzing. Yeah. And the Eagles rely on Mm -hmm. their defensive linemen to get after the quarterback because they've done such a good job of getting after the quarterback without sending extra pressure. Whereas the Chiefs were sending an extra guy from the outside or whatnot. And if if the Eagles players were unable to get off the snap you know, if Hassan Reddick is slipping off the snap, he's not getting the push. He's not breaking through the left right. tackle or right tackle, whatever. Um, no, I agree. I agree. So that that's another consideration there with the uh, – but, boy, it goes back to the idea of – this was so one play, two play. I don't want to say fluky, but so much variance. Now, speaking of Mahomes and money, uh, he took up this year 17% of his team's salary cap. So there was no quarterback that won a Super Bowl taking up more than 12.5%. Now, go ahead. We, we talked about this on straight out of Vegas on the Fox show about how it was impossible. If you weren't on a rookie deal, you had to be named Brady or Manning to win well, a Super Bowl. Well, no, that's not what I said. What I said was that you had to be a Hall of Fame level quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And and I think that Mahomes meets that criteria. I, I agree. Yes. But to that point, it had, if your name wasn't Brady or Manning, yeah, you hadn't done it. And yeah, I mean, that was – yeah, it's interesting because some of the – it's so funny as I think back to some of these guys that won Super Bowls, and I think, oh, that was what, year six, seven? A lot of times it's year four and th- three and four when you don't realize it's three and four. But thinking of it now, what about – I guess I'll have to look at that, but but Rodgers was on his second contract because he sat, he sat the first three years – and then he didn't win his first year. I think he won his third year starting. or his, I can't remember. Maybe look that up. But anyway, I do think that's a general rule, which is Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. And I mean one that's a no doubt, for maybe first ballot Hall yeah, of Famer. Yeah, there look, was, there was a run where every year it was either Manning, Brady, or Roethlisberger in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but remember, Big Ben didn't win a Super Bowl off his first contract. That that surprised me too. I thought about that because his, his first year. But if you're talking about, you have to have a Hall of Famer. Those three guys are Hall of Famers, and they well, were the, those three guys win the Super Bowl every year. Yeah, well, but but here would be, I think, the rule that stands the test is at least up till now is either a first contract or a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think that probably, I I, I think Nick Foles was on his first contract. Oh, you know, in that one, though, Wentz was, Mm -hmm. and thus a backup, you know. So the key is it can't take up a huge chunk of the salary cap, or if it does, it better be a monster. It better be someone so good he can make up for it. And right now, maybe that's Josh Allen. We haven't seen him do it all the way, but he's that good, I think, at times. And it's Mahomes. I don't know if it's anyone else. I don't think it's Hurts. What's crazy about Mahomes and the Chiefs is that they don't, have to pay like the other positions that other teams do because on offense yes because they don't need a star running back Pacheco came in as a Mm -hmm. rookie or no one needs a star running back but they don't need the they don't need the diva number one wide receiver because they have the tight end in Kelsey and it just and 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 the clock's ticking on that sure I mean he's he's I thought he was dropping off the end of last year Mm -hmm. So, but he didn't. He had a monster year. Yeah, but think about it. Like, think about every other team that you would expect. Like, they 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 have a number. They have that guy, that big money contract wide well, receiver. The teams has never won anything. 
Yeah. Right? But look at Brady. What did Belichick do? He never had Well, it, Randy Moss here, that's it. Which they got at a discount. Yeah. And yeah. the minute they had to pay him, they let him go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you really think about it. For Colin talks about, oh, no wonder he left New England. Brady didn't have... Again, whenever people question Belichick, I just don't understand how. But but, but real quick, he, he was saying, oh, he doesn't have any receivers. It's like, well, that's the point, is if you got a finite salary cap, mm-hmm. which it is, it's a hard cap generally, though there's some little finagling with it, is the idea is if you got Brady that can raise up an Edelman to a potential Hall of Famer, then that's enough because you need to spend that money somewhere else. Don't you see similarities with Mahomes and this Chiefs team? The only teams I the only team I've seen that's even tried it, because you look at Buffalo, and I'm not trying to cast aspersions on the Bills with AJ here, <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is what the Bills did this year felt opposite of that. The Von Miller contract felt like, hey, we're, we're putting all of our chips in the middle for a year or two. I'm not saying it's just one year, but and, and we're going to win this thing. Well, imagine, teams do this all the time. It's a one-year effort to win the Super Bowl, and the next year they have to dismantle the team. And it's like Brady and Belichick just kept it where they made decision after decision. They traded away elite people. What was that? I forget. The D lineman that went to Arizona, he went to the Raiders first, or I guess who's the D lineman that at Arizona? Like last year, he had a monster year. Calais Campbell, Richard Seymour. Seymour. Oh. Like Seymour was like right off his first contract. Yep. Send him down the road. Why? Because they were trying to have a dynasty, and this was the year that Kansas City was supposed to be down. And I I heard this. I didn't verify that no receiver that caught a pass in this game was on the roster last year. Uh, well, let's look at it right now. Think about that. Juju, Watson, Tony, Sky Moore, Valdez. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So literally, when that season, when they lost to Cincinnati, it was like, look at the whole receiver room and say, you guys are all gone. gone. Beat it. And they win the Super Bowl that next year? Well, and that was why, Unbelievable. That was the only reason there was really any doubt about Kansas City coming into this season was oh, yeah. how do they replace Tyreek Hill? Like, yeah, like, I mean, they didn't do anything to re- – like they replaced him with a bunch of number three receivers. And, I mean, uh, their draft choice at least – I mean, they had a good draft generally, but their draft choice at – what is that? A Sky – Sky Moore. Yeah. He was a disappointment, right? Yeah. I mean, it's – so but He scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Big payoff on that one. All right, what, did you have something you were going to tell us? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, 2010, uh, 6.5 He was 5.34% of the cap. Although there's an asterisk. I believe that was the uncapped year, 2010. Okay. Uh, yeah, 5.2% McKenzie saying on the board of the 2009 cap. But what year was he? I'm just interested. It was his sixth year in the league. Yeah, so he was on his second contract. Yeah. How did he get that so cheap? Huh. Um, I guess he hadn't really showed himself. Yeah. No wonder. And it was also 2010 or 2008 when he signed the contract. Mm-hmm. That same contract now in 2023, mm-hmm. double that. At yeah, least. but the cap would be double too. So yeah. that's why they use percentage of cap, right? So to me, you either got to have a first battle Hall of Famer or a first contract. And I'm not saying it will never not be, but if the teams, if you're in, if you're in that horrible purgatory of a middle with the Andy Daltons, it's hard. It's hard. And that's why you look at some, you look at what the Raiders are doing. Getting rid of Carr, and it's like, is it smart? Well, is Carr good enough? He's not a first battle Hall of Famer. Nope. Is he on his first contract? Nope. Then bye. I mean, I'm not saying be callous, but yeah. I mean, that seems like the way to win. What was Matt Stafford last year? He may have been the exception because 
I don't think he's someone could argue that Stafford's all of fame. Well, that's true, I guess. No, but see, that's why I say first ballot. Oh, okay. okay, like to okay. me. Yeah. But but let's see what well, they I'm must. Have, you know when they must have had. They must have because remember they did a big push last year. They must have. Yeah. Twenty twenty two. He made six point seven percent of the cap. Yeah. Because, but then then that's why there's so many rumors about coaches leaving and stuff. It go, go to announce because it's next like, year next year he's due to make nineteen point three percent of the cap. Yeah. There you go. And we'll, and we'll go under <laughs> their window. And he's not. Yeah, that's a good point. And he's not a first. Ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. All right. That that actually makes a ton of sense. That actually segues into a little tease for Wednesday show. So me and Mackenzie have started digging in, and this is fascinating. How do you judge a team between years? Right. So some of the factors. I'm going to pull up my notes here, and I'm just, I'm just going to kind of hit. We're going to start talking about this Wednesday, and this will be a conversation for the next couple of weeks because each of the um, stages pre free agency, pre draft, then it's post post-draft, post-free agency, there's different things to look at, right? Right now, there's the most unknowns, but potentially the biggest opportunities to uh, find mispricing in the market. So the factors we're going to be looking at, so if we think about the transition, we can look at the power rating at the end of the year. So how good was the team at the end of this year? Then we adjust for any additional deceiving results. But in theory, a good power rating should have those adjustments made. Then we consider players expected to be lost to free agency, um, free agent players gained. Now you might say, well, until free agency, how do you know? Well, that's the beauty of it. You look at money available. So remember two years ago, the Patriots spent all this money in the offseason. It was a spending spree with free agency. It's because they had that. Everyone knew they had that money, but the odds on the Patriots went improved greatly as people started seeing them spend the money. If you know the money's there, it's going to get spent. Like the Bears have a massive amount of money to spend. The most. Yeah. So that that matters. Over $100 million of effective cap space, the Bears. Now, what, the next level, you got to go beyond that, and effective might be speaking to this, which is, well, how many of their players do they have to either re-up or replace? Yes. Right? Because if you've got a bunch of cap money, but you got four, 10 million, let's say you got 40 million in cap money and got four, 10 million, guys, uh, 10 million a year guys that's now free or um, unrestricted, you're either going to keep them and gain no one mm-hmm. or you're going to try to replace them. Yes. But now some people have 40 million going out the door, but only 20 million to spend. So now you can downgrade those teams. Yeah. You look at the Giants. Giants have a ton of cap space. But they gotta decide what they're doing with Daniel exactly. Jones, and they gotta decide what they're doing with Saquon Barkley. You Great take care, you take care of both of those guys. All of a sudden, you don't have a ton of cap space. Exactly, and and now that's one where I don't bet the Giants until I know the what situation. The situation. How because they I think their money. it's such a because in some spots it could be ten million or um, two five million dollar guys, but it, it's half of you know it's two nickels or a dime. Yeah, but it, it could be thirty two million if they franchise tag Daniel Jones. Or supposedly they're saying whatever, if it's yeah. a longer term deal, forty million is some not crazy. Per, no, I wouldn't. You I, don't think? I wouldn't pay Daniel Jones well, that money. I know I wouldn't yeah. either. But I mean, isn't that the classic conundrum though? There is no middle class quarterback contract anymore. You either get a market setting contract mm-hmm. or you're you're let go yeah. effectively. Well. I think Derek Carr was the last example of a sort of a 
Mid grade. Well, you mean just the one year extension they just did? Because I mean, no, that, he's talking about the four one four for one hundred. But I think at the time, he, I think at the time he was top of market. Look at that because okay. remember Dak wasn't that long ago. Yeah, the, four for one twenty is pretty good. Because remember yeah. Dak turned down thirty three. Mm-hmm. I, I remember from the radio, and it was like everyone's like he's crazy. Thirty three was top of market three years ago. Mm-hmm. Two years, you know, I guess that'd be three years ago. So I think that car would have been right at top. I mean, not saying breaking the record. But saying within ten percent of the top of the mark, you know, like you're getting like Mahomes to Kyle, <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray. Yeah, Murray yeah. is literally I like, can't Kyle like a ten percent drop. So, <laughs> it's, so it's uh, or maybe he's even getting more. Because, but here's one other thing: when you're looking at the long term of a team, is how having and this is something I heard just this weekend and it drilled it home for me: having a, a long term deal, not three years, not four, eight, ten gives so much flexibility to the team to say, okay, we're going to have one year. Like It alternates with Mahomes. One year it's expensive, mm-hmm. next year it gets cheaper. So now with their other guys, they can the big numbers, they can invert it, and then it makes it where you can stay, you can keep your powder dry when you need it and at least plan around those set costs. You're right. Uh, when Derek Carr, it was a five-year, $125 million, basically $25 million a year. And his the first year of it, 2018, he was the third quarterback in average annual salary yeah, yeah. behind Stafford and Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> was well, number one. Well, that remember year. at the time when Jimmy and remember that was that that would have been right after he it was went, went five and zero. Yeah. Remember, and then at the end of the year, right after the second round pick trade. Um, by the way, how the lineman that so Belichick traded Jimmy G for a two, and everyone said how crazy that was. I don't. I wonder what Jimmy G's worth today. Is he worth a two, or even even worth that? Three and a six. With, yeah. yeah, with no contract. I mean, I don't. It's hard to value him. Well, but what I'm saying is, assume that it was a year. I mean, they couldn't. Get, they couldn't get hardly. Any, he would have got traded if they could have got a second for him. Because remember, before this season, he had one year left yeah. on his deal. So I guess the point I'm making is, it was probably a pretty fair trade. I agree. Right. And then who was the guy that I can't remember his name? The guard they traded to Tampa Bay this year. Uh, the line. <sighs> maybe look that up. I, I didn't hear much about him at Tampa, like kicking butt. And it's like in general, Shaq Mason, yeah, yeah. How did he do this year? What was his PFF? I'll pull that up. Yeah. All I'm saying. Are you asking? Are you saying that because you know that his PFF? Was no, bad? but okay. I know I haven't heard much about okay. him, and I know that the the, the uh, Patriots had a pretty damn good line this year when they were. Again, obviously, it's based upon him the contractual situation, yeah. right? Is there's uh, we were just reading PFF today as we were doing research on this. Some of their articles on it, and they're talking about. Um, uh, not excessive value, but but value beyond what you would expect, and that any first round draft choice, second round draft choices, they all have uh, surplus value. Thank you, and um, just by definition, the teams with more of those contracts have m- intrinsically more players that are worth more than they're paying them, right? Because the the opposite is you're worth less and you're getting paid. Okay, a few other factors. Shaq Mason was a uh, sixty eight point two. So right below twenty first amongst guards. That's interesting because I always heard seventy. So that that would mean he's top half of the league at sixty seven. Yeah. Hmm. I always heard the seventy was the baseline for a starter. Like if you were like a seventy two, you were a low starter. There are seventy two. There are only ten guys above seventy two. And that, twelve all, guys above seventy of all guards of all guards. So the theory is there's sixty four or sixty four starting guards. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. 
But now the question is, what's his next con? You know, he had one year. Right. What's his next contract? Now, maybe it was, and for Tampa. And they were doing a one-year push. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was worth it. They didn't care about next year. A fifth-round pick. Yeah, he moves on. So who's to say? Although now the Bucks are in, like you talk about that draft capital and uh, and 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 going all in, going all in. Yeah, they're one of the teams like that's in real bad shape. They might win three. I mean, look at the Rams. The Rams did this year. The Rams I thought could be very competitive. I knew the future was going to be a problem. And it's so interesting. We talked about how there's just these little fluky plays that dictate if you win a Super Bowl or not. Rams could have easily lost. How differently would we be talking about their decision after them picks mm. if they didn't win that game? Yeah. And truly, a lot of the teams that were you know, considered high-quality high teams, the Bills are, are probably at the top of the list of teams that – because they didn't win last year, it it only gets harder for them going forward. The Dolphins are another one because the Dolphins gave up all that capital for Tyreek Hill. They're they're in, not in great shape going forward. What they said about the Bills was there was talk of them having the best roster in the NFL like a year ago, and you look at it now and you say, where are their plus players? Like who are their plus players? All right, you obviously got Allen. Uh, I mean, how many playmakers are plus players? One. Stephon Diggs for sure. Yeah, everybody else seems like, I mean, Gabe Davis is probably an average number two. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, plus, as in clearly, like, yeah. that team just got out. Like, he upgrades any team, kind of. Unless quarterback, because then there's just one. But there's two, you know, a certain receiver, up, Diggs upgrades any team. Sure. Right? Uh, and and Allen is top, th- you know, whatever, top five. I mean, I, he's now in the mud with <laughs> <laughs> with, the rest of, with the rest of them. Uh, so, um, and then on defense, White, their corner was supposed to be all world, but something's wrong because uh, no, it yeah, wasn't I mean, all just the injury. Yeah, he, I mean, he missed a good a good chunk of the season. But, but they're saying it was stuff other than physical. Who knows, right? I don't know. I'm just going by reporting. And I don't know. I know they, they have the linebacker people love that just kind of emerged this Edmonds. year. Edmonds. Yeah, just, is that right? Just this year. I don't know. All I know is in the league, it changes fast. Because let's not forget, Jacksonville had two straight years that they had the number, number one, one pick. pick. Yeah. And then, boom, they're what now? If we look at the Super Bowl odds, and what I'd like to do, if you guys don't mind, I don't know if you wanted me, but if I was going to uh, do a little SOVAM later, um, uh, we could save the Super Bowl talk for that. Perfect. Yeah. Do that? Great. But we will tease it here. And if you don't listen to SOVAM daily, this will be a great chance. Because you might think, oh, I just listened to all this. Oh, yeah, but this is me running the show. I have to be all subordinate when <laughs> AJ and Scott with their ethos. And uh, But you know what? That's the beauty of it. If it were all the same, it's not as fun. No. So I'll be out speaking a different voice. I'll be like, hey, I think Jacksonville. <laughs> That's how McKenzie sounds. <laughs> well, when his mic's after up, he doesn't sound anyway. Boy, I don't think he made one mistake this entire show. No. Strong show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And the ninth favorite, or tied for the eighth favorite, the Jacksonville Jags. Super Bowl odds. We'll talk about that and more. Last couple things, though. Other things about year to year to consider. Um, how much draft capital they have. The maturation of the recent draftees, where there's a number, there's a performance the first year, and then the second, third, and fourth year of a contract, the first contract is usually about the same, but the jump from year one to year two is gigantic. Um, so if you look at what the four year Return is for a draft choice. 
right? So in theory, it'd be 25% a year if it was exactly even. You want to make that a little bigger, please, McKenzie? Um, year one is about 17%. Six, yeah, 17, I think. And we're just looking at a chart. And then all the other years are above 25, with the fourth year being a little bit better. But it looks like pretty much like 26 you know, 27, 28, kind of, and then 17. I think that adds up. I didn't even do it, though. But so now a team that has a lot of first-year players becoming second-year players, the theory is you're getting a jump. And you might think, well, how much of a jump? Almost double. If you actually think about it, if you go from 17% to, you know, 28%, yeah, it's not 34, but it's it's like a huge, it's like 170 more percent value on top. So who's thinking about that? Not many people. Yeah, still, still waiting for that Zach Wilson jump. <laughs> <laughs> and then, which brings up another point, right? But first year, it's hard to know. And that's why they say usually, look at, I mean, let's be honest, Trevor Lawrence did not have a good first year. We can say whatever the reason. Yeah. But if you have a bad second year, that's a problem with quarterbacks. Hey, well, what, what's your concern if you have a good first year and a bad second year, a la Mac Jones? Well, I think in this case he gets a pass because of the offensive coordinator situation, which yeah. apparently by everyone's account was a disaster. And then I just heard some stuff recently about how they said this was on the PFF show. They were saying how they had a beat writer on that even like in week three, they knew it was a disaster. And, you know. And I think the most interesting case going into next year is going to be Justin Fields because sure. I think you saw a lot of things out of Justin Fields that you like, but you still see that Justin Fields has a lot of growing to do. I, I think he's one that may take more than just, you know, you may not know after two years. I, I think we certainly, we, I don't think we, anybody knows what Justin Fields is Well, right now. let's be honest. Before they played the Patriots on Monday night, if you were to say, you were, let's be honest, you were heckling me a little bit about my love of Justin Fields because mm-hmm. last year, AJ hated Justin Fields. I explained he had a lot of big time throws. Okay. It's just, so there's a chance. Well, the beginning of this year, the first, what, five, six games, he was horrible mm-hmm. and he wasn't running very much. So it was like, it was like he was on the way out. And then, boom, to me, I've never seen, we saw what Hurts could do th- throwing the ball. We saw what Lamar did his MVP season throwing the ball. He had, Lamar runs just as well as he used to. Mm-hmm. He's just for some reason not passing as well. And he's gone from an MVP to what? Uh, I mean, like Lamar, the last two years, if you count the injuries like they do against Jimmy G, is Lamar even a top 15 quarterback? The way he – no, I'm not saying moving forward. Uh-huh. I'm saying those years. He misses a bunch of games, two different injuries, two different years, and when he was playing, wasn't all that great. Maybe. Yeah, I think when you count in the, the, the time he missed, no, I, I think you're right. It's yeah, hard to and, give And that. the best you could say he's number 12 or number yeah. 11. So I don't want to split hairs. I want to be something – you've got to throw the ball effectively to be an NFL quarterback. Justin Fields has yet to show he can do that. So to me, he's a big question mark. Philadelphia is a big question mark. They lost two coordinators. I think losing the defensive coordinator might be an advantage. By the way, I don't. I think it was crazy that both those stories came out like the day before the Super Bowl, like or the day of. Well, that's the Super why. Bowl. That's why these teams were waiting to announce because the deal already had been made. It just feels like it's bad. It's bad for the team to hear like to hear that the day of the Super Bowl when they're supposed to be focused on anything but nonsense to be hearing. Oh, this is our coach's last game with us? I, but again, who's to say if that's good or bad? Because True. For, uh, talking to the ex or hearing from the X's and O's people, it was just a horrible 
game plan for mm-hmm. Philly's D. And here's what's interesting. Let's not what's the what the kids say is slander. Let's not slander so and so. Is Fangio, one of the great defensive minds in football, really the innovator of this two, at least the way the two highs being played today, yeah. became a was a consultant with the Eagles. Yeah, for like the past two, three weeks. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the story now is he was the whole year, and then there was it just became public in the mm. last two weeks. I think, but I don't know if McKenzie can put that on the screen if he can find it. But here's the thing: Lombardi said that I think is 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 vital for the narrative. Which means, and people hear the narrative like it's a lie. No, the narrative often is true. It's just what people are saying, what the conversation is. Well, it was like, well, Fangio screwed that up. or he, No, apparently Fangio came in to work with the offense. Hmm. The theory being, they, they got their defensive coaches. Yeah. But what you want is bring in a mind like Fangio to say, how would you stop this? Mm-hmm. And then how to, how to beat it. Yep. Yeah. And then then the offense says, well, what if we did this? What if we did that? And then finally, Fangio goes, yeah, you'd have me. Now you now that's valuable yes. if it's one of the great minds. That is my understanding. So as much as people are saying, oh, he screwed up this. No, he wasn't supposedly involved in this. I don't know, though. Could be all the narrative. All right, let's see. I think we're about done. We talked about the grass. We talked about Philly. Oh, let's talk Sirianni a second. He had a horrible press conference. Everyone laughed at him, the first one, all right, his introductory. Then people said, oh, look how good they are. You can't judge by a press conference, which I agree. That's not the job is talking to the press. But what what do we know about him? We know he was an unknown guy. He was on no meaning amongst those that even watched the league, the Mike Sandos of the world that watched the league closely. He wasn't. A, I'm not saying he was unknown, but he wasn't ever on the list of the next hot coordinator because mm-hmm. the Colts weren't all that great on offense. They were fine, but but Frank Reich was the guy. It was like an Andy Reid, but without the success, as much success, right? And he became the head coach. It's like, oh wow, that is. Strange. Oh, look at this horrible press conference. Oh, God, they made a mistake. Well, they've won. I'm not saying they made a mistake, but the idea that he is like amongst the top five or six best coaches or seven or eight, and that's kind of been the feel. I mean, there was talk of him coach of the year, right? And the results were great. I think Harry Roseman, the GM winning executive of the year, makes a ton of sense. I think he's elite. Mm -hmm. How often has a team brought back a Super Bowl in five years with different quarterback and different coach. Almost never. That's great. Um, and it, and it's not like the old days where the 49ers, when Walsh left and then they went to Young, it was like, okay, you have two Hall of Famers and then you've got... And, and with the Eagles, there was only a handful of players on this roster yeah. that were a part of that Super Bowl team. And we, we counted it when we talked about... There's the five Bowl or players. six. Yeah, it's only it's a really a small handful of players. Yeah, and, and it's funny because KC, I think there was 11. Yes, that was, there was a lot. Right? Uh, yeah, and it was double digits. But is that even a lot? If it's a quarter and it's just been a couple years. I mean, well, I guess it shows you... the most important piece was. Absolutely. Yeah. It shows you how quick there's turnover in the NFL. Yeah. Yes. And it is about laundry, right? It's about the jerseys for us. And there's a couple key players that matter. Like, to me, with the Steelers, there's a couple guys I care about. And, I mean, I want them all to do well. But, like, it was important to me. Like, like when Heinz Ward, he had one year left in him. He did. He could have went and had a Joe Namath year. He said, no, I don't ever want to play for anyone but the Steelers. Like, to me, that as a fan mm. makes me, you know, like if Joe DiMaggio played with the Baltimore uh, or or with the Yankees, how, or I'm sorry, with the Red Sox, how would you feel about that? Yeah, no, not good. <laughs> See, so these days in the NBA, for example, obviously there's none of that, or, or very little of that. 
here there is in the NFL. Sometimes I like it, right? But it's a bit, and obviously the owners make it a business too, so you can't blame the players. It's just as fans, I, w- I want my guy there. So anyway, I, I quite I think Sirianni got out coached um, drastically in this game, and again, he's responsible for all of it. So you can say it was the defensive coordinator, or whatever, but I don't see anything. Uh, this all he does is go for it, and it, he's aggressive. So all the analytics people love him. I want your opinion on this. When they went up by eight, or they went up by eight, but they didn't go for two and could have went up by nine. What did you think? I thought I tweeted. I was like, "Why aren't they going for two here?" I think that's. I I so think that would have been horrible. What do you think? We talked about this on SOVAM yesterday. At the time, I didn't think of it at all. Mm-hmm. But so you meaning that you thought that was stand that there, there wasn't some great it, idea. It going. didn't cross my mind until the Eagles were driving. Mm-hmm. When the Eagles were driving, and I was thinking. All right, Philly just needs a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie this game. Wait a minute. Why didn't Casey go for two? That's when it occurred to me. Why, why do you think it would have been bad? <laughs> I think there's a couple of reasons. So when a team is down by 14 and they score, and then all, the, new, the new rage is to go for two. Yes. I think that is a brilliant use of going for two. The rationale being you want to know what you need to get. Yes. And thus, if 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 you if you make that now, you know you have a chance just to win it if you just score. And if somehow you miss it, and in general, that one wouldn't really tell you what you need to get because you still just need one more score, but you just have to go for two. But in general, if you have multiple scores, you got to do. You want to know how aggressive you got to be with the clock by going for two, which is whatever fifty something percent, mm-hmm. right? And you make it or miss it, you have to. Do it once, mm-hmm. and you're going to get two opportunities to do it. Well, that, that, that's you, the rationale on the 14. Yes, on the 14 okay. I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was using that as an example, but it wasn't the perfect example. But in general, the thing you want is you want to, if you're the one having to score, how many scores do you need? The sooner you know that, mm-hmm. the better. So let's use an example. Let's say you have to go for two, uh, one. Let's say you're down, what would it be? If you're down seven. And then if you fifteen, let's say you're down fifteen, yeah. right? So you're gonna you you have to get a two point conversion. You do that first if you score, because the theory is if you miss that one, now you need you, you know you need two scores and you start doing. It affects things that, the next drive. It affects mm-hmm. yeah. So in general, the basic rule is you want to know how you need to score how many times as soon as possible to start adjusting. Well, you what you just did there was you'd be telling. There'd be a 50% chance that you'd only be up seven, which would leave it open to Philly going for two if they score. Because what's the second rule of late game decisions, in my opinion? So it's not a rule, but I think it is. You, If you have the best offense, you want them to have as many chances as possible. This is a great point, because I think if Andy Reid's playing out the scenarios, and by going up eight or... By failing the two-point conversion, either way, Philly needs a two-point conversion. Do you want to to win? And do you want to either be tied when Philly gets that two-point conversion, or losing when Philly gets that two-point conversion? And there's one more piece to that: is worst case, you get up eight. Philly goes down and scores. Now they have to convert to two, maybe fifty percent. No, let's say with them it's sixty percent. Okay, but now unless they perfectly time it, Mahomes gets the ball again. Yes. So to lose the game, they got to give up a touchdown. Right, they got to give up a two. And Mah- then Mahomes doesn't Mahomes. score yeah. and lose in overtime. <laughs> so 
That's a lot of uh, inside straight, not inside straights, but a lot of coin flips to win. Where on the other one, all it would take is a touchdown and a two, and it's over. If if they lost, mm-hmm. right? If they didn't make the two, now they're only up seven. Philly goes down and says, "We don't want Mahomes back on. We're going for two. Right now, there's a chance there'd be some time left, but maybe not. Well, Philly changes the way they run the drive because maybe Philly doesn't want to give the ball back to Mahomes. Maybe so they're they saying we're going to go down clock, and milk score. Milk the clock, milk yeah. the clock, yeah. kind of like the Ravens did. So what we're seeing now, teams understand. Because let's be honest, if Casey would have scored and went down, didn't go down on the one there late. What's the odds of Philly scoring and tying the game up? I mean, fifty percent. You got to figure, right? It'd be a minute fifty if he minute were- fifty one time, minute fifty four one timeout. I mean, the the math says it's under fifty, but if Hertz is who we think he is, and now I think he goes for two there. If he does, and, and it, in, in that case, it would have been uh, win by one. Right? Mm-hmm. Was, uh, I guess my thought was there was, there was nine minutes left in mm-hmm. the game, so that's why having the knowledge they need two scores if they miss it. Would be, uh, or if they make it, if Casey yeah. made it, w- would be you don't want to give them that knowledge. You want them to have to, you know. I-, I think it's debatable, but I think anyone that acts like it's a no-brainer the other way is like, I, I think that's foolish. Okay, yeah, I, I don't think it's a no-brainer. In, in my mind, it made more because nine felt like if you're up nine, you want the you want the emotional relief of knowing you kind of got the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, that's what you got to fight against. In a way, you embrace the uncertainty because you got Mahomes, and maybe you want that intensity to remain. Like you want your team to still play. Like you don't every want your defense to relax, knowing yeah. that. It's going to take two possessions to beat you. So it's like, hey, we're going to have to be on the field again for a second possession. I, mean, I don't know. Think about it one more one more time is if they kick the extra point, what has to happen for them in that case to lose, which is uh, Philly scores. Philly makes a two-point conversion. KC has, assuming they have some time, Mahomes doesn't even get a field goal. And then you lose an overtime. Yeah. Is a you know to me that's very comforting. I, I want more. And with the new overtime rules for the you playoffs, get the ball for sure. you're going to get the ball no matter what. So in Andy Reid's mind, by just kicking the extra point and going up eight, the odds of him losing the game are so astronomical. It feels like a, like an eighty-seven percent thing. You know what's wild? I don't know how long this pod's gone. No. Oh yeah, we haven't had one mention of the penalty. Oh well, let's finish with that. One. <laughs> I mean, he, I'm assuming you guys we talked about it. All right, so here's my take Ad on it. Yeah, well, it's fun. I, I do. I got to say, I hate guys. And I'm, I'm, I'm obviously I'm not saying you, but in general, I don't like it when people are like talking, they, they get to talk about sports for a living and they complain. Do I really got to talk about that penalty? It's like, come on. Everyone's talking about the yeah. penalty. No, the, the, the reaction on Twitter to things that AJ and I were saying oh, was... You were heating things up. Oh, uh, the vitriol. <laughs> I, I think what we've learned as Philly fan is is uh, not not the friendliest after a loss. Well, they were booing the man of the year, Dak, right? <laughs> the guy the guy who gave oh, so you much kids? Yeah. Screw you, pal. Yeah, Beat America? No thanks. Do you work with that Santa Claus? We don't like him either. <laughs> Here's my take. You can't have the referees making subjective decisions like that. Like, what point of the game, when do you then start calling the game differently? Right. The, the whole I, Now, here's an answer, I think, where it could work. You tell the referees you call the game exactly the same in all situations, okay? Then there's like a yellow, green, and red light up at the stadium <laughs> that, that is run by— Tighten like, up, guys. Like yeah. New York. Yeah. 
And if you're in like a yellow, and maybe there's more than th- if you're in the yellow zone, it means these penalties actually will count. But these penalties, they're going to get called, won't because they're ticky tack. So, so the ref doesn't even care about that. He calls the penalty. They say, flag is picked up. We're in the yellow zone. There are no defensive holding. Like that actually makes sense. At least then you would know before the play because you can't have subjectivity when. Do you really want these officials having even more sway over the game? Have no. them follow the rules. I, I think that if if the play, if Adrian and I explained this yesterday, if the penalty occurred away from the play, mm-hmm. I don't think a flag gets called. So does it get called in the first quarter? I'm I'm saying if it was away from the play because they, they called. The does game. it get called in the first quarter? No, because oh, they, okay, they called yeah. the game pretty pretty loose. But the fact that. Mahomes made like a Brady-esque play where as soon as he saw the hold, he, he threw, threw that in that direction. You that, that that call has to be made every time. Yeah, if he throws to Kelsey on that play, they probably let that slide. So but, but Mahomes but, but, saw it and threw to the receiver that he got held. He saw the flag? No, he no, saw the he hold. He saw the jersey pull. All right, then doesn't that tell you it was clearly a, a penalty? Or it was clearly a penalty. I then agree. what are we debating? Exactly. And the player admitted after the game, Bradbury said, I pulled his jersey. It's a penalty. No, I don't think he said that. I think he said he I said I hoped he would have let it slide. Yeah, yeah he said, yeah, he yeah. said, but he, but he did say it was a hold. Yeah, well, I, it was I pulled his jersey. No one I was says it's not a hold. People were trying to say there's some subjective assessment. Yeah, it's like it. you can't make that. And call the idea there. that well, they'd called zero defensive holdings to that point in the game. There's like 1.38 defensive holds called per game in the NFL. Oh, that's good. So one is about on track. Like <laughs> about one happens per game. To, to me, it shows you how the subjectivity, or if anything, it shows you this this referee, or this is an all-star crew, but this crew wasn't inclined to throw a bunch of penalties, so it must have been And what one. was the conversation going into this game? Carl Sheffer's crew called the most penalties yeah. in the NFL this season. This is going to be a penalty fest. Wasn't. It wasn't a penalty fest. But the most important penalty happened at the most important time. Well, this is the first time, AJ, you and Kevin Cole agreed on something. Is He tweeted out, last thing on the holding call, the average number of defensive holding calls in the NFL this season was 1.4. How is having zero up until this call a sort of evidence of letting them play? The game finished right in line with the average. Yeah, it's interesting. But you had the 1.38, and Kevin Cole had the one point. He rounded up. I saw some. I saw no. someone else's number, but Kevin. Cole's I'm guessing 1.38 was right. So what I'm saying is he just rounded up. Yeah, you were more accurate than the math guy. I don't want to be more accurate you than know, Kevin that, Cole. That, that that makes me question these rankings yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So actually, Mackenzie, put this up. So the. Our, you know how some places have like the cha- the football outsiders championship. I think they do maybe where whoever ends up number one. So I'm assuming the fourth quarter win share in this game was 71% KC, which is kind of surprisingly high. Um, but again, I guess it was just because there was – They were up by they, eight points in yeah. the fourth quarter. That's what McKenzie said last night. McKenzie's been really strong on this OVAM, by the way. Is that right? Oh, yeah, he's been good. But, he, I mean, I, I thought the same thing when I first saw it. But he's like, yeah, they were up by more than a score mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, and that makes some sense. You know what? I'm going to start sending you all the stuff that I – Produce and make sure if he's saying my things that he's giving attribution. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right. So, the, oh, wow. Look at this. Oh, okay. Can you make it a little bigger, please? It's like I'm reading one column and there's like 30 on the screen. Ah, there we go. There we go. Philadelphia wins 
the fourth quarter win share championship. Tell them there's nothing to worry about. The other you got Phillies the trophy, start guys. Start the polls now, guys. They're going crazy in Philly. got the trophy. 79.8% win share. Number two, KC, 78.9. Okay, Buffalo was three. San Fran, four. Cincy, five. Dallas. Where's Kansas City? Oh, I'm sorry. Where's the Chargers? Top 10, Oh, buddy. the Chargers are Top high. Top 10. Oh, my All God. All right. <laughs> All questions are answered. <laughs> Everything is fine. So where's the where's our like? Do we have our like four or five um, voter thing? Put that up. Oh, you had it ready. Look at that. All right, because that Casey or a charger stink in that here. So oh, the projected margin yeah, championship. Yeah, now? yeah, a little bigger, please. But don't go too big because the charger will go off the screen. <laughs> In middle of the road. What are, Come on. Is that sixteen? Yeah. Oh my God. They're exactly zero point zero. Oh, they're, they are they're, behind Pittsburgh. They're the oh yeah. They're the definition. <laughs> they're the definition of an average team. You wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade Pickett for Herbert. No way. You're lying. No. Herbert. How many how many playoff wins does Herbert have? Zero. Exactly. All right, guys. <laughs> Straight out of Vegas, I'm going to do a little crossover promotion. And then on Wednesday, we're going to do a lot of this. Like, what's the best bets for next season? But I'll tell you this. AJ, it's March Madness is almost here. It's almost March. There's a little bit of madness going around. We're going to have a series Wednesday. or It's Thursday release. Thursday, 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 all the way up to March Madness. Doing about 10 to 15 minutes, high level, how to take advantage of college basketball. Now... More teams can win it this year than any. Wide open. Wide open. I've heard some good things about TCU. Thoughts? It's hard to, it's hard to say oh, anything about them right now. Already? Because they got a guy injured. Their two best players back, are injured. Yeah. But that's why there's value. Maybe both, so. Both of them are due back, right? Yeah. All right. I'm going to have you dig into that. Okay. But what would you say? Is, is, is there a dozen teams with a viable chance? More. More. Yeah. Don't miss it. S-O-V-A-M, you're going to hear about the Super Bowl with me, and that's five days a week. Also, once a week, the Dream Preview. And we're previewing the NFL, and and we'll get some M- McKenzie NBA in. We'll that's see what, how good he's been. I'm telling you, he's been good with NBAs. He's, he's, he's on it. Let's just say this. I'm dubious. No, I'm not dubious. I wouldn't tell you it if it wasn't true. That's, now, that's a whole other pod. Talk to you hey, guys. Hey! <laughs> No, we don't do it on this. You think he, Fez does that every time? Is that why you've sat here this whole time? That's why I sat in his seat. And first of all, we wouldn't let you do it. We would get a recording of him. I was just going to do it anyway without any permission, obviously. And then, But don't worry, Fez isn't dead. Oh, I was going to tell Let me do this. This will be the last thing, guys. If you don't want this, you don't have to listen. <laughs> We're done. Is uh, <laughs> But I did want to read off. the. Listen, we I promoted the hell, bet the hell out of these props. Free rolls or not, there was more than that going on, buddy. And I just want to give a flavor that this is what we say is possible, even when a guy is 28 and 6, right? Is sometimes you're going to have losers. So he went, um, now here's what's nice. I mean, it's not nice, but on the three stars, he went two and one. So the bigger picks did better. Um, Hertz under 243 yards, that was the loser with the three star, but it was 243 even money. And the close was 235. Okay. Oh, okay. So it dropped down eight yards. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big drop. Yeah. Okay. But still lost. Uh, Watkins under. Watkins. Uh, it was under one and a half minus 145. 
it ended up being minus 175. So 30 cents and it won. Okay. Fourth quarter over the first quarter. Fourth quarter was minus 175. It won and it closed at minus 270. Oh, jeez. Even though my first quarter over went over. I like that. Mahomes over, right? 288. That was a loser. Now we're into the two stars. 288 it was, and it closed at 292, so four yards, okay? Second half versus first half, minus 145. It closed at minus 165, 20 cents. A no score for six minutes. The no was minus 140. It closed at minus 150. Uh, a few more here. Kelsey over six and a half receptions. It was six and a half, 140. It closed at 180. Lost. Uh he had six. Godert? Goddard. Goddard yeah. God, oh, that's how you say Goddard? I don't think I've ever seen it. I thought Goddard. If you have a name like Goddard, wouldn't you have G-O-D in your name? I don't think he chose. I'm just saying whoever made the decision <laughs> way back when. I'm not blaming him. Um, Henceforward from this day, we'll be known as the Goddard family. G-O-E. <laughs> no, Dad. <laughs> that's funny. That was actually a little funny there. Jeez. <laughs> so you didn't just tell a lie and think it was funny? See, he had about six months that what it would be would be like, so I hear you uh, were at the gay bar last night, Scott. <laughs> Saying, no, I wasn't. Oh. <laughs> By the way. It's great. Great joke, AJ. I looked up the DVOA championship. You'll be glad to know the Chargers, 18th in DVOA. Uh, everyone agrees. Everyone yeah. agrees. All right, so real quick, um, supposedly this is Goddard, is uh, over four and a half, minus 125. It closed minus 160. So 35 additional cents. Um, so not one has moved against him. Sanders over 12 and a half yards. Minus 135, close at minus 150. Philly punt under three and a half, under three and a half. It was even money now, and it closed at minus 125. And finally, Tony over 27, uh, minus 130, closed at 130. So that one stayed flat. So 10 of the 11 moved, probably four or five drastically. Mm -hmm. And he had four winners. And seven losers, four and seven. Yeah, but imagine the losers were at the closing price, how much money was saved. I mean, that's a good point because a lot of it was minus money. Yeah. So, listen, no one liked that, all right? No one liked it. I didn't, you didn't. If you but on it. the Dream Pod last Wednesday, mm -hmm. Fez gave out the exact script for the halftime show. Okay. And if you were able to bet it on whatever local you had or offshore, you made a nice chunk of change on Bitch Better Have My Money being the number one song. Well, here's the thing. That 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 was a long shot. Here's the thing. No one doubts at net net that with Fez, with pregame, that you're gaining a good, solid information that helps you do better. No doubt. But what we try to do, and, and I know you're not doing otherwise, Scott, because you're defending your buddy and you know how good Fez is. When we have a when people get involved that don't always get involved, like with something mm -hmm. like the Super Bowl, when you have a bad one. Got to face it, right? Yep. And got to say, hey, yep. this lost, we lost with you. I, I doubt anyone out there lost more than Fez lost. Doesn't mean you liked it. It means puts his money where his mouth is. So I did too on this one. And I tell you, I don't bet every play from Fez. I couldn't keep up with all of them. But this was one I bet. I mean, I'm saying typically, day 365, I bet a lot of his stuff, but not every play. Here I did, and you know why? Because he is so good on the props. This was a fluky year, but we're you know we're we're looking at it straight in the face. And you know what? I'm actually going to come up with a super duper coupon. Not you know what I'll do? Not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. Oh, I keep saying Wednesday. Next Thursday, 
uh, because Faz will be back for that, is something that means if you want, because here's the thing, we preach long-term, we always give great deals long-term, we're going to make a specially good one for anyone that wants to stay or get involved with them. Um, and if, by the way, one of the rules we have is no one who buys early ever gets a worse deal. So we have a dozen times during the year that there's a, a, a deal offered. A week later, for some reason, there's a better deal offered mm. because it was just because something happened or whatever. Is we don't just wait for the people who bought the prior version to email us. We actively reach out and give them whatever makes it even. So you never ever – so whatever we get, if you want to buy something from Fez – that's football related because remember XFL is starting, et cetera, and he kills in those things. Do it, and then whatever the coupon discount is, you'll get that retroactively, or you wait and see what it is. But I'm going to do something special because I hate losing, and I know you guys do too. But we wanted to look at square in the eye, and Fez had the week planned off, no psychiatric counseling, but he was very upset. And again, I think mostly because of how much he bet. He loves his clients, but he loves money even more. That's yeah. I mean, I can't. I <laughs> Top can't, priority. I can't lie to you. And if you doubt that, you just haven't listened long enough. Stay tuned. All right. Thanks, guys.